Hey, Justin, how are you? Hey, good. How you doing, man? Day uh, uh, 7,586 of the lockdown. And, uh, 88, actually. 88, 88. And uh, my castle made of toothpicks is almost almost complete. So um, that's that's good. Good news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but y- you know, I, I, I want to know, I, I've been thinking a lot about what what is going what what is what is the san francisco and the tech industry in silicon valley what are they doing right now what are they doing right now and how are they going to move beyond this and and become more i don't know like what do you think what do you think well well we've talked about this a few times now i I don't think we're going back to where we were right that's what that's what we keep saying this is common theme like this is going to change and there's going to be a new normal so yes what is the new normal well i don't know but i i have an expert actually who might be able to tell us a little R- bit really? about that. Yeah. You know, you know an expert? I actually have a friend somewhere. <laughs> it's true. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andre Sturgeon. And I'm Justin Womack. And we are the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. All right. All right. Our, uh, our first guest, our first our guest today is uh is uh one of the smartest women i know i'm not i'm 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 i mean that sincerely uh she's also a burner yeah and uh but uh also an entrepreneur uh ecosystem thinker uh cultural hacker uh emerging media consultant all these great terms that i I I need kind of explained to me because <laughs> I'm just a simple digital marketer and I like grilled cheese. That's all I know. But uh, uh, I would love to introduce my very good friend Maya Zuckerman. Everybody, yes. Thank, Thank you, you for for being on the Marketing Geeks. So uh, first of all, I have to preface that that uh, Maya and I have been uh, friends for several years now, and. Uh, uh, she has always struck me as one of the most remarkable people because whenever I talk to her, she's always doing something. She, she's in the Bay Area right now. So uh, uh, can you, first of all, uh, tell our listeners who don't know you like a little bit more about what I didn't cover there and, and more about what you do. Yeah, it's always the uh, $1 million question, $5 million. Well, it's, it's with, uh, with the, how the dollar is going. Uh, five million. I, I got about three euro in my pocket right now. Yeah, so that's, exactly. all, that's all you got. Yay. Uh, coffee. Um, so what do I do? Uh, mostly what I do is operationalize uh, visionary teams to actually create some coherence and produce. So I take big visions and help founders bring them down to the ground. And then I make connections. Um, I, um, Buckman Stafoli used the concept of trim tabbing, uh, which is a trim tab is that little rudder on a boat or on a plane that just does a little movement and then gets the bigger things to move. That's what I do. Um, really, that's what I do. Um, but I've worked in, um, started off in, in the world of gaming animation and film and as a technical director, moved into running uh, accelerators and labs for tech and then to clean tech. Uh, and in the last few years, um, was COO or, or VP of ops for a couple of different startups in the social enterprise world. Uh, and right now I find myself in, um, these are amazing, powerful time. These are like the best and the worst of times. And, um, the only way we can actually deal with this times is hold both sides. Cause when it's amazing, it's like just heart opening, amazing. When it's bad. It's horrible. And 
basically it's happening all at the same time. Uh, yeah. So, so that's part of my work is to help leaders through these times. And, and I'm doing it in different ways. I have a, I'm part of a strategy firm called Lumen. That's kind of my focus of my work. And we really are looking at what does it mean to be a leader during these times? Um, and how do you actually innovate during these times? Because these times, as I said, is the worst of times, best of times for innovation. Uh, and it's innovation on everything. We're talking about marketing. Like, how do you market to people in the new, new normal? They don't want to hear your BS anymore. <laughs> they yeah, want to no, hear your. True. They want to hear your. And, and you can actually even see already with what are uh, ads that were done before these times and what are ads that were done during these times and how the ads before these times are toned up. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, if, yeah. You, if you set up automation ahead of time or you have like email marketing automation and you didn't shut it down when this started, you're in trouble because you're, mm -hmm. you're doing damage to your brand just by, just by using the same messaging you used before the pandemic. It's damaging your brand. I, I, I saw a couple companies do this. Like right when, right when it, like it was like the worst, like at late March, like things were kind of peaking. I mean, in terms of like panic, I would say. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know if things are going to get worse or better or what's in the future, but at, at that point, I think it was the worst. And somebody was putting out like their standard big, hard sales pitch emails. And it just, it felt wrong. And it just, you know, mm -hmm. it made me think of that person less. So, yeah, it's, it, you gotta, you gotta definitely take a softer approach. We, we, in fact, on our last show, we talked about the, the failed, uh, Pepsi commercial, uh, <laughs> campaign that they did with Kylie Jenner, where she went out to, uh, you know, protest <laughs> some unknown protest. And it was like, go out and do something. And it's like, you guys are trying to take a stand without taking a stand. And that sucks. And so uh, it totally it totally backfired. Uh, and so, yeah, there, there's got to be a softer and more authentic approach uh, nowadays. What what do you and it sounds like and so so please, please correct me if 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 this isn't correct, but it sounds like there's a lot of people who are running companies, not necessarily being leaders at a time like this. Uh, I could actually point to several government officials that are, uh, you know, higher up the food chain that are not really leading per se. Uh, but uh, but you seem to be almost like a like a, a leadership shaman. You'll come in and you'll like reshape how things are done within a company so it affects how the company operates. Is that is am, am I in the right track? Exactly. Um I, I use the word shaman very, very loosely ever because um, <laughs> that's taken from a, you know, it is culture appropriation. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so you can I be a shaman woman. I don't care. Like, shaman woman, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, especially with Lumen. But that's also what I do um, in my other projects. It's uh, it's more like it's it's more what I don't do than what I do. Uh, and, uh, in these times, this is something that Lumen uh, talks about, like our group talks about the leaders that we need right now are the held accountability or the hold accountability leaders. Um, they hold the space, they hold people through whatever they're going through and they're accountable. Um, and let's just look at the, uh, political level. And then we can look at, um, like marketing and kind of business level. Um, we can name a bunch of them here in San Francisco held accountable is uh, our mayor. Um, she was the first mayor to actually uh, do a uh, shutdown and shelter in place. After that, Gavin Newsom. Um, we can look at uh, Jacinda Ardan. We can look at Merkel. We can look at all of those really. And most of them are women, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. held accountable. And they're even a conversation globally about the countries that are actually dealing best with this pandemic 
on all levels. We're not only looking about, you know, health levels, but actually economically, well-being of their people, all of that are women or more of this held accountable, which I'm going to actually name as a more feminine approach. Doesn't need to be a man or a woman in leadership to have that approach. Um, and uh, even Cuomo, he wasn't there in the beginning, but he actually became that. So you can actually see amazing growth and transformation and an ability to look at your vulnerabilities and take accountability of what you did wrong and then yeah. grow from there. So that the reason why he is so, uh, fo we're so focused on him is because he didn't show up in the beginning. He changed, he evolved, and now he's dealing with the worst of the pandemic in America. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, then, and, and I can actually rattle off some like business leaders as well, because there have been a lot of really interesting business leaders stepping up. Absolutely. And there's also been a lot of business leaders who, who, who I look at how they're handling this right now mm -hmm. and just going, what, what the hell? I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because when history writes what happened here, mm -hmm. uh, these businesses, and some of them are quite big, I think people are going to really like take a step back and go, look at the way this guy handled this. This was yeah. ridiculous. Uh, and, and I think that part of, you know, you were touching on something earlier, which is part of the way that people are going to do business with other people. A lot of it is going to be with how an integrity or you are around everything from your marketing to how you treat your employees to your leadership, essentially, right? Completely. And you're seeing it, you know, so if we, if we jump into the leadership around businesses, I always look at Satya Nadella as one of my, like, just phenomenal. And he, in the, in the beginning, is like, we're not firing people. We're going to work together. Also, digital, it's all digital. It's all online. There's no need to fire anybody. All the digital companies are much more... Um, uh, you know, move to working online or have been working remotely anyway. So I'm not worried about uh, Silicon Valley in that level. But uh, in San Francisco, you're seeing Mark Benioff, uh, uh, the CEO of Salesforce, actually giving donations to, there's a grant now for nonprofits. F Facebook's doing the same. Uh, also, the conversation of uh, the monoleader during these times versus a shared leadership and coalitions. Um, and the coalitions that are being happening are the West Coast and East Coast. Whole of Europe is working together. The global scientific community is working together. The supply chain, which is I'm part of one of the startups that's actually looking at how do we validate and create create a ethical supply chain around these medical supplies. Um, and also even what's happening in California, back to kind of giving kudos to Governor Newsom here, that's building a coalition mm -hmm. Of, uh, and this is kind of how do we build the new normal? He's actually built that coalition already. It's got the five previous governors, including Schwarzenegger and Governor Brown. Um, and it's got leaders from all of the biggest CEOs of so Mark Benioff, Zuckerberg, a bunch of them. And Tom Steyer, who was an, um, a nominee uh, for president, uh, presidential nominee here in the USA, uh, whose like biggest thing is he's a, you know big on the Green New Deal. So my prediction is California is going to basically roll out the Green New Deal in the next year, um, and we're just going to do it because we can. And the the change in conversation is leadership, coalitions, authenticity, integrity. And I think the biggest thing for marketing is what are you marketing that is essential right now? If it's not essential, mm. we're not going to buy it. 
And yeah. sometimes booze is essential for some people. I know that, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't drink. Well, I, but, but, but but that's. Essential. I live in the <laughs> Netherlands, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, it's uh, marijuana is legal here. And uh, what was Orange really California. funny, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what was really funny was uh, at first the uh, Dutch government said. Uh, we're going to shut it down. All the coffee shops are going to shut down. And so that afternoon, there was like two hours that people suddenly <laughs> knew that they had to run to their coffee shop and the lines were like, you know, down the block. And so there was uh, no panic. There was no panic until then. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, people got their weed before the toilet paper. But then after that, uh, the Dutch government realized uh, this might be essential to some people. And so they, uh, uh, they opened up uh, the coffee shops again. But, uh, but it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it, we're, there is, we don't even know what new normal is uh, no, yet. I yet. mean, because we, we are still in free fall. Um, but what, you know, you and I have had uh, many conversations uh, and, and gone way out there. And, you know, what, just on, on the terms that you can describe, what do you think this is and what do you think, it, it, this is going to mean for business kind of moving forward. Like, where are we on the on the timeline here? Well, I think we're really very much in the first quarter of this. Um, uh, you know, we're going to have a lull, and then it's going to come back again uh, in the winter. Like, I, unless unless we have a global vaccine, um, and also we're having way too many anti-vaccine people showing up, and right now we need that because people are dying. So, mm -hmm. uh, especially people who can take it uh, that have health hazards basically we're going to be able to not let them die in the masses that we have. And I think, you know, the biggest issue that we know is it's not about um, whether people die from it or not. It's the amount and how fast it is and the mm -hmm. stress on our medical um, our medical facilities. And, and also the conversation that, you know, who are we to choose who's going to die and who's not? Uh, there's a human right. side to it. Uh, so um, I actually want to jump back to where you live, because that's actually part of the what are we going to do to assess a new normal? Well, how about Amsterdam? We're going to do a circular economy, a donut economy, the Kate Raworth's uh, amazing model that basically looks at the planetary boundaries and looks at how does a circular economy support us not going beyond our planetary boundaries. So um you know, sitting from that space where here's already like a city and probably the whole country is going to follow uh, suit. We have New Zealand with well-being. We have California that's probably going to roll the new Green New Deal. We have Europe, the EU, going to roll up the new their version of the Green New Deal. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that's actually where business is going to be looking at because that's actually essential. Uh, and that also looks at healthier supply chain. That looks at more local resiliency. That looks at, you know, things like Victory Gardens and more vertical farming and urban farming. I mean, all of that conversation is where the new normal is going to start uh, being implemented because we realize like if we can get food made locally to a point and have energy produced in our cities, we're good, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, water, we're good. You know, water is also water desalinization, you know, zero, zero base water, you know, zero, uh, uh, zero carbon uh, emission, water desalinization, if we're next to an ocean, that's another kind of place we can actually have lots of like amazing impact. And that's where the opportunity is. There's a lot of work that will need to be done. And then um, also, you know, social, political, how do we change these things? So there's a lot of work to do. 
Um, yeah, and there's yeah, a lot of marketing sure. around that. There's a lot of uh, communication that needs to be done around this. Well, that, that's one of the things I, I love about being a marketer is that uh, if everything goes back to the Stone Age, there are going to be cavemen who are going to need to market their <laughs> uh you know, their, their bones, uh, to hit people over the head with. Uh, so I'm not worried about, you know, us ever having, not having work, but, uh, so, so, uh, yeah. And I, I agree with you. I mean, there, there, we have to look at the systems. We have to look at like supply chains, all of it comes into play now. And even, you know, how businesses are, are treating their employees, how they're going to run. Uh, but, but what, um, uh, first of all, uh, I just want to switch gears because uh, I, I want to get back into, you know, what you're doing with Lumen and, and everything else. But uh, what uh, what's the mood on the ground there right now? Like what's what are you what are you pulsing? What are your friends feeling? What are the CEOs that you're talking to? Like what's the general mood over there right now? It really is dependent on who you're talking to, because uh, the people who are lucky enough to have work, money in the bank, food on the table, they're just dealing with their personal stress. Uh, and there's different levels of stresses. Uh, mm -hmm. People are actually in the front line to hold different conversation. Uh, so it really, I think if you're just looking at business, the mood is um, the people who are, have been in the sustainability industry, who have been in the kind of more futuristic looking forward are like, finally it's here. We knew it was coming. We've been preparing for this emotionally, psychologically. We've done all the things for years to train for this. This is our time. You know, what mm -hmm. we've been saying for years, it's coming. It's finally here. Now we get to actually rebuild together. So there's a huge excitement and opportunity um, with um, not always a sense of humility of, of just the gravity of these times and that not everybody is going to be coming out of this in one piece, unfortunately. And, um, and how do you deal with all? That's what, you know, when I opened, I said, how do you deal with all of this, the good and the bad? Um, because when it's good, you know, the, the, for, I'm also an environmentalist, I actually, the, the quality of air we all are breathing when we finally go out, if we remove the mask for a second and actually breathe in the air is like the best, sweetest air I've ever had. It's amazing, uh, inside a city. Um, but you know, the, 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 the seriousness of like, you know, most of the restaurants here being closed, all the businesses, and how do we reinvent that? that's a lot of the worry, uh, but also a lot of like, let's think through this. Like there are scenarios where we go back to not go back. We open, but we open really smartly in a way that we can start getting everybody to some base level of income uh, to actually get them moving towards this new economy that we're going to have. And in that economy, what, you know, how do we think about all these different systems? And that's what I'm hearing a lot. People are like, well, we know we're not going back to normal. What are we going back for? What are the models? How do we test things? Uh, I think also the conversation about testing more is, mm -hmm. is finally, people finally understand that they need to test more. It's amazing what this uh, virus has done. Um, it, uh, all the conversations about can we change fast are out the window. We know we can do that in a week. Um, everybody understand what's exponential. Um, because, and they know when exponentials are bad. So exponential growth, not a good thing because when you have exponential growth in a virus, we're all dead. Um, and, or the economy is dead. <laughs> so right. everybody knows, oh, oh, when you talk about exponential, like that virus. Yes, exactly. So everybody now has like a total understanding of what it means. Um, more people understand graphs. That's great. Um, <laughs> and people are really focusing on what is essential 
So maybe we can also curtail things that are non-essential. We don't need so much crap in our lives. Yeah. We, you know, we need to focus on what we actually need. So as a marketer, is like, our, A, if you're in a business that is not essential in the next three years, don't be in that business or pivot to something that actually works. Like, yeah. and, I'm, and you're seeing it even with, um, so I have a, a, there's a famous little uh, bag store here in San Francisco called Timbuktu. So I actually live like three blocks away from their uh, uh, manufacturing and design uh, space. And they've actually just pivoted to doing masks because that's what's hmm. essential. Nobody's, nobody needs a bag when they're not going outside, but they will need a mask. So, and this is, this is the type of thing that I'm talking yeah. about with businesses. Like, like what, when we look back at this, people are yeah. going to be like, what were you doing guys exactly. during all of this? Were you simply like taking your masks and reselling them for 10 times the, exactly. the, the markup or were you like contributing? I mean, it, it's, 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 uh, there's a, uh, a high ranking politician. I won't say his name who owns a whole bunch of hotels right now. Mm-hmm. And he could easily help, the entire areas those hotels are in by getting turning it into a hospital essentially yeah. like being able to help out uh and instead he's asking for uh money because he's losing business which is um, we're hoping we're going to lose him in the next same. few months we're kind of done I don't, you, you, I, you left this I am, country i did well i knew this was going to happen i knew it God, uh, but yeah. you know part of the part of the thing part of the thing like and and i i mark my words no matter what happens those guys are not leaving. If they lose yeah. the election, they are not leaving. Uh, so, so it's it's interesting to me because on the one hand, business has got to run, and uh, but on the other hand, it can't run like it it yeah. used to. It's got like there's got to be this balance. Uh, Justin, you you you. It sounded like you had a question there for a second. Well, you're connected with a lot of these top business leaders out in Silicon Valley. It sounds like I'm curious what are, what are some of the financial projections that you're hearing like. Because we look at the stock market and it's like almost bounced back to where it was pre-pandemic, which is ridiculous. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So what is um, like what's what's actually coming in store and what what can we expect kind of going forward or what, what are what are kind of the general consensus? Because, I, yeah. I mean, I see small businesses are going to be struggling. I mean, I'm anticipating huge credit card defaults. Uh, I know that mortgages and rents are already going, you know, being defaulted on. Like what, what what's really coming down the pipe? Well, the stock market is never a any kind of 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 uh, litmus test to what's happening really in the economy um you know and and you know it's up because amazon is like just making so much money oh my god yeah they're the biggest uh, and, they've ever walmart, been walmart right all the big ones right uh, and digital is doing great like zoom and all and you know all these squadcast and all these other companies are doing netflix great. netflix like they netflix just had like 13 netflix. million new subscribers just this quarter or something ridiculous exactly so y- you know that's and, you know, I don't like the metaphor of war uh, because um, the interesting thing is that we're, if we really look at what this virus is, it's something that happens because of us. Like, we're the source of the virus. We're not at war with it because, yeah. you know, there's there's a whole reason why these pandemics happen. It's because of the destruction of our natural systems. Absolutely. Um, and no one's yeah. talking about that. Oh, no, people are talking about it. So it's, it, it really is like it's completely This is This is like. Uh, this is one of the, uh, they talk about all of these different systems starting to unravel. This is one of the indicators for of our sixth mass extinction. So if we're not even, like even talking about that, we're still trying to make money, is, 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 that is a problem. Um, but even talking to businesses, what we just discussed, like the companies that are 
actually looking at their people and supporting their communities and doing work. Because even Timbuktu, you know, if you have the money to just not furlough and not fire any of your employees, maybe you ask because there are actually a smaller business. Maybe you ask for um, uh, some money from the government just to kind of make make ends meet and just stay the course for a few months if you're capable of doing that and then doing something for the community. That's great. But you could also do a business that is, you know, it's not the best. I, I, I'm not in love with this concept and it kind of works. But at this point, it's actually the right thing to do for the next quarter, which is, you know, if you're going to transition to doing masks or PPEs, but you still need to make some money, you do a you buy it as a private consumer and you give one for free for somebody at the front lines. You know, things like the Tom shoes, mm -hmm. even though the model doesn't really, it's not 100%, but this, for this moment, for the branding and for your effectiveness and for what you can actually do during these times, that's a great scenario. You know, I, th I think not, not every company is expected to just give away everything if they don't have the money and they don't want to fire all of their employees. There, But there's smart ways of doing that. And there's also, you know, we're not uh, real estate is going to suffer a lot because nobody's going to yeah. be everybody's going to yeah. say, like, why do I need to go back to an office downtown? Why do I need a we work when I can just meet with my my um, team online? And why do I need a commute? What's up with all the commute? Like what, that, that's that. out, that's all 10 that hours out of my day. Right. Exactly. Uh, so. So. OK. Uh, so first of all, I want to I want to switch gears again here and and talk a little bit about uh, Lumen, and and you know because you've done you've done a lot of different things basically with the same sort of pulse. Uh, can you how did Lumen come about? Like how did that start happening? Uh, so Lumen, a friend of mine, uh, two friends of mine, Tirza and Philip, uh, founded the the group like five years ago, and they've had different group people working with them. And actually, I, I, it was the right time for me to join last year um, uh, because we all came to the same conclusion. It's, it, Lumen is, is supposed to be a bunch of luminaries, that uh, industry leaders that, um, you know, that bring uh, a lot of experience in, in drive innovation and create the future together. That's really what we do. And we do it through uh, uh, working with leaders and teams. And what we got to is basically the same understanding um, innovation only happens when teams are uh, feeling, uh, have psychological safety, have trust, um, are diverse and inclusive. And um, you can train them to do that, not by giving them some top-down consulting thing and telling them how to, um, how to clean the bottom line. It's actually by helping them create together. Um, and that's something as a, somebody who's lead and still is leading startups. That's how you build anything. Um, and if you build a team that really supports and trusts each other, you're actually building leaders and you leave them better than you found them. And really, if we do that in every company in the world, then all of our issues and our problems are going to be solved within like two years. Uh, so that's really, really what we believe in. <laughs> so, so how does that work on a practical level? Like, first of all, how do people find you and why do they find you? Like if a company yeah. is saying, you know, what, where, you know, they come to you. And then what is kind of the process that you take people through to, for, the, for the end result? Like what is that whole yeah. sort of uh, experience uh, like for people? Yeah, so uh, it's lumen, L-U-M-A dot I-O, very simple. And we'll put a link down below yeah. in, the, in the description. Great, thank you. Um, uh -huh. And the process is, is basically we're merging uh, kind of the longer sprints 
and I can explain a little more about sprinting with uh, full-on transformational work uh, on the person and the team. Uh, because a lot of the times, so I'm also a certified OpenEXO consultant and coach. That's the Exponential Organizations. It's a group that started uh, from uh, with Salim Ismail and a bunch of the Singularity people who saw that uh, people would come to Singularity, have their minds blown, like all the possibility about the abundance of the world and exponential te technologies, and then it would go back to their work and won't be able to actually create any change. And they built this 12-week process of a sprint, and there's all these different sprints around the world. It's the, you know, the idea of uh, from the agile sprint and how we actually do weekly scrum or sprint methodology to... And, and just real quick, I, just to, to let people know yeah. like what, those, what that means, because some people may not know like those yeah. types of processes. If you can just give me a yeah. bite about what that I'll, is. I'll give you a little bite. So... so it comes from actually, so all of these methodologies, all of these ideas, and you've been hearing about Sprint and Agile and Lean and Scrums and all of those and, and uh, Six Sigma and Design Sprints and all of these ideas. Apparently, they all kind of come from Toyota. Really? Years ago. <laughs> yeah. And the concept of Kaizen, which is intermittent betterness. It's like the 1% betterment. Um, and Six Sigma, Six Sigma and Scrum kind of came in and codified that into these weekly rituals that you do. You do a daily ritual, you do a weekly ritual. So basically the idea of breaking down a very big project into the end day of the project. So we know when you launch, milestone, breaking down to weekly sprints, breaking down to daily standups. But when you codify it, there's a methodology to it. So there's like so many different methodologies and EXO is one of them and mm -hmm. it is an innovation methodology. So that's like about 12 weeks. So Lumen, uh, we have our own version of that, but we actually also bring in the human part and the teamwork part and mm. that part of, because there's, there's nothing like building something together as a team. Uh, right. But if we don't actually, what happens to teams that break is that there's one person that there's always going to be some personality, you know, matchups. So if we don't work on that part, then even if we, if the, if the product is deemed successful, the people don't, not everybody feels like they had a part in it. And that's when mm -hmm. people leave a company, that's attrition, that's when you have all these weird politics. And if you don't actually take care of that, especially in the inception of a company, that's something that's going to metastasize all over years. And that's when you get into these big, large corporations, which is what uh, Lumen works with the most. And you're actually seeing, you know, somebody created some culture norm 10 years ago and it's stuck and they can't unstuck. And there's all this, you know, backpedaling. There's all these like weird politics and dynamics things. And yeah, then passive no aggressive kind of email exchanges. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no innovation. And then when you actually look at what is missing is healthy communication and structure. Yeah. And, and I'll give you kind of our, our kind of bottom, like the basic formula that we use is very, very, very simple. It's called Connect, Scan, Focus, Act. So Scan, Focus, Act uh, is, is a format that people have been using for years. It's MG, Taylor, and, and Lumen added Connect. And the idea that almost every meeting can just be a connect, scan, focus act. So the connect is the human connection. And it could be anything. It could be a ritual that we do every different day is a different ritual. And ritual could be, let's take three breaths together. Let's ask each other how the weekend was. Let's just do a quick gut check. Where are you today? 
Um, tell me a funny story. Give me one word. I mean, there could be all these different things. And especially during these times of remote working. And we've, we now have uh, people who have a month experience of what remote working feels like. And then we have people who have been doing this for years. Like I have been doing this for years. You have been doing this for years. So it's different also, you know, how do we interact online? And then we scan, which will be the agenda. Like, what are we actually going to talk about today? Uh, what's the expectations? How long is this going to take? You know, what's the time box? Which actually creates psychological safety. Not everybody mm -hmm. can deal with time in the same way when, especially introverts, when you tell them when things are finished or when they're going to be finished and you actually abide by that and you are accountable to finish on time. That actually creates psychological safety for people to create. And it's, it's literally mm -hmm. unbelievable how simple yet complex these things are. And then focus, what are we actually going to focus on? So that that's the bulk of the work in the meeting or in the, you know, hour or in the workshop or in whatever it is. And then the act is, so what are we going to do after that? What's our follow-up? What's our next steps? Simple, yet groundbreaking because most people just don't, like people just show up on a meeting and that's it. You know? Yeah, and yeah. And meetings are so inefficient. Most meetings are yeah. just ridiculously inefficient. Exactly. Uh, so, so I, I mean, I, I've always looked at it like this is, is that, uh, um, you know, and you know, you and I've had different conversations about this, about this idea of, of the, you know, you, you take care of a company from the, you know, most marketing companies, they go from the outside in, they like come, you know, here's the advertising campaign. But I think you and I are on the same page with this, where, uh, it's really the inside out, because if you can really get what the company's mission is, like what the company is trying to do on an energetic level, then that type of thing, like how people interact with one another, how they respond to one another, mm -hmm. it ripples out to everything else, including how they deal with their clients, which also then is their uh, advertising, right? And their marketing. Yeah. yeah and it's so, mission and it's purpose as well. So, you know, let, let's yeah. look for the purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, you know, and, and uh, I, I believe that every every company has is, it's holding some form of energy, right? Because yeah. it's all kinetic energy. It's uh, money is an exchange of energy uh, and, and you transform it through your business. That's one of the things I love about being in business. So, uh, you know, and, and this is something that I feel is is so needed right now because there's so many businesses that are, are running on this toxic infrastructure. Uh, and it, it, it could sometimes just be one person. It could be like a business practice. Um, so what do you do if you have, like you, you see a situation where you have a company, but they have like that one toxic individual who is kind of messing everything up and it could even be the CEO. How do you, how do you change the energy of someone like that? Oh, really, really depends. So yeah, uh, definitely a deep thing that we do at Lumen is purpose work with, with the company, because if not, if, if people are not aligned on that, and that's something I've always worked on with other startups, if you're not aligned on purpose, there's actually nowhere to move. So that would be like the first level, but um, dealing with different toxic personalities, there's levels and um, sometimes that person needs to go. Um, and if that person is really, uh, we're talking about narcissistic personalities. That is going to be There's a lot hurting. of them. There's a lot of them, and a lot of them are CEOs yeah. uh, or leaders of countries. Um, <laughs> and um, unfortunately, somebody that is definitely on that spectrum of full-on psychological narcissist, usually the best thing for the whole company is that person leave. Um, there's sometimes no way to deal with that person, and, yeah. and I've had that from experience. You can do all the things, all the right things, and it's still not going to work. 
Um, and I think uh, during these times, one of the essential things we need to learn is an effective leader cannot be a narcissist. It just doesn't work anymore. Um, right. And it and it's not it's not funny anymore. You know, and we're seeing it in America. It's not funny anymore. It doesn't work. It puts people's lives in danger. It kills people. And also within a company, it actually um, creates psychological stress. It creates anxiety in people. It creates sickness. And also gets uh, the people who are actually more, the people who are more empathetically in tune to tune out. And that's when you have attrition. That's when you have uh, absenteeism. You have all of these issues. So actually it's better for a company to remove that person and not give them $10 million bonuses like they do with so many of the CEOs. That, you know, let, let's talk about that in a separate call, but that is, should be <laughs> illegal. Yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. For sure. So, so what, what, what in your mind does the future of business look like? I mean, look, it, it's like, first of all, the, the, the weird thing about narcissists and, and sociopaths right now is that uh, uh, they, they have been able to rise through the ranks and they are a majority, not a majority, but I, th I think the, what was it, 21% uh, or something of all CEOs are, are sociopaths uh, or CEOs. Yeah. So, so what, what are we like, we, we need to really look at what people are doing. That's one of the things I love about this particular time. I mean, it's, it's tragic on one level, but on another level, there's so much stuff coming to light, including who these people are and how they're running their game. Right. Uh, so, so in your mind, where do you see the end game being? Cause you talked about regenerative culture and, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of a, 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 a type of economy that is circular, but what does that look like on a practical level? And, and to those people who have no idea about any of these concepts. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I'd like to remove the metaphor of game if, if you permit me, because game means that there's always losers and winners and, uh, the planet doesn't play games. Um, right. It's an ever-evolving living system. Well, it and does, but it wins every time. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. Yes, she does. Yeah. She yeah. does, yeah. Um, but uh, the concept of regeneration is to create a system that can bounce back by itself and regenerate itself um, and heal itself. So you create the conditions, and you can do it in a culture um, in a way, um, and in a company in a way that, that is much more, it's not a flat organization, uh, but it's a, um, centralized when it needs to be and distributed when it needs to be. So if, uh, so looking at the future, even if we look at nation states, um, and the United States and global movements, um, they need to work a little bit more when EU is working well versus the United States. It's like you, you can be sovereign when you need to be, but there's certain things we do together and we agree on what we do together and we disagree and what we don't, but, but we kind of move the ball towards something. Um, the, uh, right now we're in the, still in the conversation of sustainability, the UN sustainability, it's not exactly the UN's, but the sustainability, uh, sustainable development goals, the 17 goals, um, that are basically goals to achieve by 2030. Uh, I think this virus is actually giving us a chance to come closer to them. If, if six months ago we were like, we're way off, now we're like, oh, well, we're totally in because uh, NO2 and CO2 has been dropping down and uh, we're going to be changing the way we trans uh, transport goods with the way we transport our ourselves. So we're actually going to be more sustainable, but sustainability is not enough. 
sustainability means that we're barely hitting the 1.5. Um, and it's a math problem, right? 1.5 uh, degrees Celsius uh, of heating of the planet, which still means calamity and a bad future. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, where uh, for us to really actually change anything, it is about resiliency. It is about regeneration. And the beauty about all of these systems that what they've shown time and time again is when you actually create resilient systems, everybody wins. It's a kind of an all-win conversation. Um, and, and because it changes the conversation from um, uh, a linear input-output into a multiple distributed diverse conversation, uh, which also means that no one thing can have more than others. It has to be more distributed. So whether it's money, whether it's the way we do business, whether it's even the way we that our businesses are not mono businesses anymore, they're diverse. Right. Doesn't that have to change on like a on like a the corporation structures have to change entirely? Because yeah. I mean, with, with the way that they're structured as you know public companies, where they're at the will of mm -hmm. shareholders, they don't even have the flexibility to do yeah. some of this in those current structures. So I know that like B corps have been introduced more recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, is this part of the part of that transition? Is that companies are going to have to change their um, change the way they incorporate? Right? I mean, how how does that look? They'll, they'll have to, and, and they're proving, I mean, the, the numbers are in on, on even companies are even doing changes in sustainability. The, the issue with how we've been looking at numbers is also wrong. When you actually look at this linear thing, you're not measuring externalities, and externalities can be positive and negative. Uh, so when you have only, in, but if you don't factor those in, we don't actually have the full picture. So um, for the negatives, in 2013, the UN did a study on what would happen if all companies uh, put in the numbers of externalities within their um, within their uh, finance uh, projections? And they found that all of them would be in the minus. Absolutely, yeah. none of them would make money. So yeah. you know, so and that's, that's yes, yeah, that's definitely. Sorry, I, I mean, I, I, I just I just want to hit on one point that you said there, which is which is a, a part of like the 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 future economy. I really believe this, and I'm hoping that somebody invents some sort of app or some sort of methodology that if you look at a product, it really gives you the true cost of it. And by the true cost, it's like who's been exploited, what are the resources yeah. that have been used, uh, you know, how, what's the damage to the environment. One of the and not a lot of people realize this, but one of the most evil marketing and brilliant uh, campaigns ever was Coca-Cola being able to create a, a uh, recycling campaign that basically puts the, the onus of recycling on the consumer. So once you mm -hmm. drink their product, it's up to them to get rid of it. And so it completely released them of any responsibility of the, the sheer massive amounts of plastic that they create, which is is the number like it's the number one plastic polluter on the planet. Uh, so so these types of things, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that we can educate ourselves and become more uh, aware of. Yeah, I mean, Coca-Cola is a great example and there's so many others. But the idea that we individuals have to do better recycling, you know, eat plant based food, all of that. I mean, yes, we need to do that. And we also have to uh, see that the 100 uh, most polluting com companies on this planet are accountable for what they've done and actually change their ways. Um, we still don't know whether the minus $40 a barrel uh, that just happened two days ago is going to be a positive or a negative for us because there is going to be some weird, um, you know, weird uh, backfire on that. But um, the good that can come out of it is people are going to basically say, hey, it's 
it's actually better and more efficient over time and actually good business to just move to green because we can just control, we can control what we can control and we can get a lot of people into jobs. It's a very specific thing that's not going to go away. Like we always need energy, but then we don't have to, to extract as much. Um, and, and then we can build a whole industry around that. I mean, there's other things. It's a thing, you know, being afraid of the new, like we don't even know what awesome industries we can actually create through these changes. And we have to create those changes. So yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's putting companies um, to be much more accountable. Um, you know, there, there's a list of a hundred of the CEOs who are doing that. Uh, moving those models into, uh, into more sustainable models, B Corp, there's all these different hybrid models now, the L3C, the Public Benefit Corporation. Apparently, Italy is one of the world leaders in B Corps after America. So it's really interesting to see how that model is taking um, off in other places. Uh, the numbers, uh, because it's because being a B Corp and being a benefit corporation, it's, it's, it's more about the, uh, and what I still love about the sustainable development goals, it's not only about renewable energy, it's, it's all of it. It's empowering women and plant, uh, plant family and, and mitigating hunger. And all those things are great for the economy. When you have, mm -hmm. the, you know, I'm bringing women as, as a woman. Um, uh, there's another study called uh, Project Drawdown that looks at the 100 uh, solutions for drawing down CO2 uh, from the atmosphere. And they basically proved that if 1% of these 100 industries changes or, or sectors changes, towards mitigating for climate change. 1% by the year 2050 will be drawing down instead of uh, polluting. And it's, and it's got this long list. Number one is refrigeration, but when you put number five and six together, they become number one. And these are the, the best solutions to draw down CO2 from the atmosphere. And it's educating girls and family planning. So, mm. you know, we need to stop thinking. That's why I keep saying stop thinking linear because we we haven't even put into perspective the amazing positive externalities like you know and, and this is through if you actually start thinking through it as a narrative what happens to a village in africa or i'm sorry i don't want to be in any ways like a village in, a, in an area that is marginalized where all the women are empowered and, and all the girls are educated what happens there and what happens and they've done huge studies on that people are not hungry less a mouse to feed, but in a healthy, you know, the, the population doesn't grow too too fast to the area. Uh, people are actually have more space to create their own little micro businesses that support the whole community. Um, flora and fauna are healthier because when people are more resilient for themselves and empowered, they don't just go out and poach and kill, um, you know, endangered species. They actually coexist and they learn how to work with them together the CO2 drops. I mean, there's all these amazing things that happen. So what happens to our big businesses when they actually stop uh, being monopolies and actually become smaller businesses? They actually can support smaller communities. They can actually support marginalized communities. They can lift everybody up, but not in a top-down way, but more of a distributed way. So there's, there's a lot of studies. I'm not like the biggest expert on this, but I've read a lot around it. There are a lot of studies that have actually shown how these, what we think are multiple little changes in aggregate can create much healthier, more resilient systems. And that's what I'm looking at. I'm like very much interested in not the, we just do one thing. No, we have to do 50 things better. And when yeah. we start thinking that mindset, 
we actually see the change happens in aggregate and and that's resiliency and that's regeneration yeah that's uh that that's uh and, and i think that's definitely where we need to step into and one of the things that's been interesting about uh this whole lockdown is that uh, people have have really had an opportunity to be introspective and and look inside themselves and and ask themselves what you know uh what's what's valuable i mean one of the things that uh i thought is very interesting is they're talking about well how come there isn't like some sort of system where people can get tested for free across the nation and if they get sick like you know there isn't like some sort of healthcare system set up so people you know don't have to worry about not going to the doctor because oh you mean like uh are you talking about universal health care and, and universal basic resources like I, you know, beyond income, beyond healthcare, like healthcare, some basic income and your access to whatever it is, internet, electricity, uh, maybe you pay something into it, but your basics. So you're like, if you're in a winter time, you have basic warmth, you have basic internet, you have basic water, like you maybe be, you know, that's what you get for basic and everybody gets the same. And then on top of it, if you wanted like better internet, et cetera, then you pay, but everybody can actually bet at some basic and food. Like you always have access to food, no matter who you are. If you needed, if you ran out of money and you needed a, a bag, you're like, there is a place to go and get that. Um, I, I, I don't believe that uh, people that um, only very few people will actually misuse this. And we don't yeah. stop that for like, there's always going to be bad apples. You know, I, I live in the mission in San Francisco. Yesterday, as a, a part of the HOA, I sat on our video and looked at somebody breaking into a car outside because we saw we saw the poor person's car the next day with the broken window. It's like there's always going to be a, a person like that. That's human nature. But most people are not going to mis misuse it and they're going to only use what they need. And you actually see that um you know not with the over buying of tp i think that's just that's just a <laughs> zero risk bias yeah. but yeah. um but uh everything else people are like calm down after because it was also the, the first few weeks were very stressful and we get it and now everybody's calmed down and they now we know what what we're dealing with you know we don't know how long it's going to take but we know now it's a known entity we know around how much it hits what to expect and what does uh, staying indoors look like? Uh, so now is the time to actually put in all of these social uh, networks. And yeah, I, that's why I really love the idea of the universal basic resources. And I think that's something I'd like to see globally happen. Yeah, I, I hope it does. But it, you know, there's there's a, there's something in America that's coming to a head. And and until oh, yeah. that thing is settled, it it, it you know the, the, we're going to be up against this particular aspect of you know, it's, I think it's this idea that there's a segment of people that think, well, if I get the same vaccine or the same healthcare as the janitor, then my healthcare isn't any good. Or if my health, the same healthcare I get is going to some immigrant, then my healthcare isn't any good. It's like, man, every, every mind is a resource. We don't know where the next awesome invention is, is going to come from. We really, exactly. we really don't. So, so, well, let me ask you this, cause we're creeping up on the end of the show, but, uh, what, uh, what do you predict the next like year, including the election? What, what do you, what, what do you think is going to happen? I'd love to know your, get your take on it. Um, I'd love to see, um, everybody coming together and choosing a Democrat, uh, and then making that Democrat, 
work with everybody that we have been supporting all this time. That's what I want to see. Um, we will know within a month probably what's going to happen. Uh, my prediction that this has hurt um, the uh, person sitting in the White House right now uh, into a level that he doesn't even understand yet. Um, I don't. I don't want to believe that he's going to be reelected. It'll be very. Basically, for me, that will be kind of end game for this country and to, for the United States. And I think mm-hmm. at that point, California is going to secede. <laughs> that's that's probably what's. I think happen. it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very very we're possible. I mean, it's very. The, yeah, we already declared ourselves a nation state. So. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. the fifth largest economy, and there was just a pact signed with uh, Washington and Oregon too. Yeah, and New York uh, and California. So uh, yeah, and I mean, if it, th- that that would be very very interesting because if. Uh, if uh, California did become kind of its own nation state, uh, that that's a lot of money that the federal government rakes in every year. And if if California alone yeah. was able to just use those resources, it'd be a, a whole different ballgame. And in here, let, let me end up with something positive. So let me start with California, and then I'm going to end up I'm going to move to the U.S. and then I'm going to look at the whole globe as a, as a, as a mm-hmm. whole system. But can I throw in one more uh, concept before you get into sure. that? I, I just sure. want to throw in the idea of blockchain. Because we didn't mention it, but Andres mentioned like kind of tracking like where money's going and accountability and holding yeah. people accountable for where like tracking. Do you see that as something that would be a good innovation that we could bring into the country? Yeah, well, great question. Let's even like blockchain is just one chain, is just one like system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have friends at Holochain. There's other systems coming online. There are all the systems that are great, but you're talking about a non-human ledger that actually keeps transaction and trust safe. Because really the issue that we're, that blockchain is trying to solve is trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we actually solve trust? And then can we use technology to help us tr- uh, solve trust and enable transparency across all of our supply chains? So yes, I mean, that's something I'm very interested in and I've been looking closely into that. And, and I bring in Holochain because they're more about the long-term uh, environmental and social study of this. And they look at a, instead of data-centric, then agent-centric, so it's truly distributed versus some of these systems are more decentralized. And I'm actually very much about, I said in the beginning, the definition of like, when do we need to centralize? Right now we need to centralize. We need everybody to work together. And then then we distribute, which means we empower agents to have full agency, but they're connecting back to the mothership. And that's, you know, that's a system that works. And, you know, we've got a big system that like in centralized, and it actually can support the little systems working really well for themselves. Uh, and there's a wonderful agreement, trust, and transparency between how they move information. Hmm. That's like the system that actually I would love to see. Because uh, there's nothing wrong with some centralization. Absolutely not. If you, the United States would have worked well together in federal, wow, you know, if Obama was in, A, we wouldn't be all locked down still. Um, B, you know, he would see that every state is empowered to do what they need to do for their people while giving them the information and and the knowledge and the money that they need without arguing so much. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's what I believe. Um, So, um, you know, so so looking at like the future, as I say, California has already done a coalition and when I was I was at a, a gathering here at the World Economic Forum in San Francisco last year with the Economic Development Office of the governor, and they're looking at fourth sector. Uh, so they're looking basically to roll up to California to be fourth sector in a uh, industry. And a fourth sector industry basically says that we're putting most most of our investments in businesses that are B corps for benefit, 
nonprofits, for the environment, for circular economy, for regeneration. That's what we're focusing on. So that was in October. Uh, and now he's got the coalition of the best. You know, five, the five uh, previous governors, um, uh, Tom Steyer, all the leaders of the, of the biggest tech companies in the world, and they're basically figuring out, so what does this new normal look like? And I believe they're going to have a Green New Deal because to, to step up the economy, you need to find new jobs. And right now, the best jobs we can do is build the infrastructure for a Green New Deal, put everybody in masks and go get them to build um, and, and go get them to also farm all of, our, all of our land. So young people are going to be able to get jobs in farmlands. We're also we make our own food here as well. We make our own electricity. We make you know, we do everything here in California. So that's California. United States, going to be interesting. Um, I really do not believe we're going to have another four years of this because I, I, unless it's completely hacked. If it's not, yeah. hacked, it's not, if it's not 100% hacked, he's out. And if Wisconsin was a, you know, Wisconsin was a litmus test for this. They tried everything and they did not win. So, yeah. uh, so that actually shows you how many people showed up in spite of being sick, in spite of knowing they shouldn't do it. And they still showed up. People are going to be, give them another month. They're going to be pissed. Like, well, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll and no, see. I and, think no, we're all... and no president is safe. It doesn't matter. Like at this point, it doesn't yeah. matter. And I do want to end up in a positive. Can, can, may I end up in a positive? Uh, please. Yeah, please. Prediction for the future, because because otherwise, yeah, I know it's so hard the, these times. But um, I, I think the prediction is we're seeing who's essential and we're seeing who's working together, and uh, and we're seeing how people are supporting each other globally. And you cannot take this is nothing to do with politics. This is something to do with human nature. I mean, even today, I, I am, I, well, I've got 25 minutes before I have to be on another uh, <laughs> podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. The amount of wanting to be together on a global level. Today is the 22nd of April. It's the world, uh, it's at the Earth Day. It's the 50 years since we gained awareness that we live on the, on the planet together. And we marked that. Uh, it doesn't mean that the Earth, Earth has been here for four and a half billion years, but we only gained our consciousness 50 years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're celebrating that. Um, and and I think that these times are from all the levels are going to actually show us what is essential. And for us to be um, if business is a tool for transformation, this is a call to action for all these all of the business leaders and marketers and people that are listening to this is to really think inside yourself and say, like, who do I want? What kind of leader do I want to be? for my team, for myself, for my family, for the world coming out of it. This is about yeah. us stepping up. So that's what I want to leave us with today. I love it. I love it. And I, that's one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is that you, uh, and a marketer, is that you have the ability to transform energy so you can get people to have an idea about what you're doing, but also changing, you know, that when people pay you for your product or service, you can change the energy of that money into something else. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think you and I have had many conversations about this, but my, we gotta, we gotta wrap up the show, but, uh, man, it's super great seeing your face. And, uh, I was hoping to see you at Burning Man this year, a small chance I was going to go, ain't going to happen maybe next year. Uh, but of course, you know, you're always welcome. If you ever come out my way, I would love to see you. Uh, but, uh, but before we go, 
Tell me, what are you uh, what are you geeking out on right now? What, you, what is the thing that you're most geeky about? Uh, graphs. <laughs> graphs. Graphs. Every, every dashboard and and statistics available. I am like from uh, World Meter to the IMHS, the uh, the thing the Gates Foundation is, is sponsoring, to the New York Times, to the LA Times, to every graph possible, understanding and 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 I'm kind of doing predictions, and I'm actually happy that a lot of my predictions are coming. I'm kind of like l- kind of looking at where it's going, and it's actually doing as predicted so which is scary as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah for sure because you see like really when you crunch the numbers you're like oh man i totally i totally get that uh just what are you geeky about right now um Man, what am I? I guess I've been watching a lot of kids shows right now with my two year olds. So. <laughs> Have you watched Adventure Time yet? I still haven't watched like, Adventure Time. No, we're, we're still watching. Weird. I don't know, like Trolls and, and some of those things. <laughs> if you have Disney Plus, also uh, Star versus the Forces of Evil is pretty good. Moana. Uh, Moana. Oh, I love Moana. I love Moana. His favorite. It's like the one Disney film I can't. Every time I turn on YouTube, the first the first video that plays every time is the crab um, singing "Shiny" from Moana. Oh man. That, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah Jermaine, that's, uh, if you haven't seen Flight of the Concords on HBO, it's, yeah. it's so, it's, it's epic. Uh, and then uh, it's, uh, uh, right now I am actually, uh, I'm, I've just been practicing my ukulele. I was off my ukulele trip for a second, but uh, now I've got my, I've been, pract- I've been learning <laughs> ukulele in quarantine. And uh, in fact, we'll, we'll end with our, uh, our, our, our fabulous marketing geek song. So, <laughs> Mike Zuckerman, everybody. Yes. Uh Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, sometimes I look at my life and I think there are different paths I definitely could have taken in the multiverse. I'm a big multiverse <laughs> believer. And uh, you and I have talked about the fact that we, both of us have stepped into a, a multiverse, the one where you survived. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the other one, the other the one where I survived where, where Trump became president in a pandemic hit the U S that one. That's right. That's right. You, you stepped oh. into the Stephen King universe. <laughs> um, uh, that's actually something, one of the, one of the things I'm, I'm, I, I can't really say I'm geeking out about it, but I just started, uh, I've been reading the dark tower series by Stephen King and I'm almost done with it. But, uh, at one point they referenced one of his books that I haven't read called insomnia. So uh, I'm I'm starting to read that, which is very interesting. So I'll give my full review. But uh, but I I uh, yeah man, it's um, as as the reality of this thing is really starting to touch base. It's interesting to see the shift in in how people are reacting to it and what's happening. Uh, but and again, uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's fully manifested yet. Like I still no. don't. I think we're like she mentioned we were in the first quarter. I agree with that. A lot of what she's saying is very, very plausible that we could go that direction. We might go a different direction too. So I, I don't know what to fully expect. Um, I, I think she has a, a very optimistic viewpoint in terms of what's going to be the most sustainable and what's going to be probably the best for the country and for the earth. Um, I don't know that that's what the people will adopt, though. <laughs> well, you know, right, the people are going to have to are going to have to do some very basic, like severe changes. I mean, already I'm. I've been rethinking about like shopping at Amazon, like the way that Jeff Bezos has been treating people. Well, there there definitely like, is a mental shift happening. Though. I mean, like the people are, yeah. there, there is a shift. So uh, we'll see how that shows up in terms of, you know, elections and ballots and 
um, and what and and priorities. Like, what are we putting in front? Because I, I mean, I love the idea that like it's time to move away from the pure C corp structure of profits ahead of anything, no matter what. You in you know you're not even able to donate money if you want to donate money because that costs money to the shareholders. Those kind of things are like that's an archaic philosophy that's got to go. Um, there has to be some sort of a medium that's reached there because that that is. I mean, it, it's just poisonous, right? I mean, ultimately, yeah. it, it's it's creating a culture of uh, of greed that is unsustainable, and we've seen that again and again. And something's got to give. So, well, to me, the the best part of the entire conversation was uh, confirming what I already believe, which is, as marketers, no matter what happens, we'll be employable. So. <laughs> That that's good news. So uh, keep we didn't, even talk, we didn't even talk about we didn't even talk about the locusts in Africa. And, and uh, you know, one one horseman at a time, my friend. One horseman <laughs> at a time. <laughs> so uh, all right, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are the marketing geeks, and we are out. Stay classy. Marketing geeks, come on, bring your friends. We'll learn marketing from distant lands. Understood, and just a moment. The fun will never end. It's marketing geeks. Marketing geeks.